Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But he says in verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Notice, that's a very um, right thing to do when being in the presence of God. Or even an angel of the Lord. Is to fall on your face as if I'm dead. To fall as if I'm dead. But he laid his right hand on me, notice, saying, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. And I like that too. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio for today. As we continue on in the book of Revelation, we see today that John was overwhelmed by this awesome vision, even though he was an apostle who knew Jesus on this earth. Even the three years John spent with Jesus on this earth did not really prepare him to see Jesus in his heavenly glory. At this moment, John knew what a miracle it was that Jesus could shield his glory and authority while he walked this earth. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Think of the moon. This is a really great illustration. At least I think it is. Uh, the sun, what does it do? When we look up at night and we see the moon, the moon is bright because it's reflecting light onto the moon. The sun is reflecting on the moon and the moon is showing its light down to the earth. And the moon is like what we are supposed to be. We are to be the ones that are, we're not the light, but we're reflecting the light of Christ onto others. And see, that's where we are supposed to be. In Philippians, uh, Paul encourages them, he says, he says, Be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And see, that's what we are to be. Jesus told his disciples, I am the light of the world. But then he said to them, now you are the light of the world. You go and you share those things. And in fact, in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they take a light and a light, uh, or do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand. And why? So that it gives light to all who are those, all who are in the house. And here's the the, 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 the exhortation to us, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what are they going to do? Are they going to glorify you? No, they're going to glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we are to be that light. So the lamp stands that just speaks of the church. And who's in the midst of it? Notice verse 13, And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band, That's none other than Jesus Christ. In Daniel chapter 7, 
uh, verse 13, it says, in that passage, it says, I was watching, Daniel said, in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So this is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. And when it speaks of his uh, robe, it speaks of, uh, of dignity and honor, like you would see in a king. So Jesus here is acting as a priest, uh, um, he, as he intercedes for us, as he said he would do. He, he acts on uh, behalf as a priest. And certainly he himself was our sacrifice. And so he was the, the Passover lamb as he gave himself on the cross. So he was, uh, in a sense, the... Um, he was the payment for our sin. He was the priest. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews that he's our high priest. And he's also the son of man. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 6. It's in the very first verse. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and what? And the train of his robe filled the temple. And here is the, the, a vision of the King of kings, the Lord of lords filling the, 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 the throne room with his, with his robe. What an amazing picture it is, right? And then finally in verse 14, we get into it and he says, Notice, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Flame of fire. You know, in Proverbs 16, verse 31, it says, The, silver, the silver-haired man, or I'm sorry, the silver-headed man, Actually, I, I, I got to start that over again. The silver haired head is a crown of glory, and it is found in the way of righteousness. And white hair, obviously, it speaks of fatherhood, it speaks of dignity, it speaks of wisdom that Jesus obviously is full of. And his eyes, as a flame of fire, it speaks of purity. I mean, think of this. Uh, many of you guys have, if you're on the, on, the, um, on the work site and you have at night, maybe you have these one million candle power lights that you plug up to your car or you hook up to a generator and it's like a million candle power. And, and you think about the, 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 the gaze of Christ, his, his eyes are like a flame of fire and it speaks of purity. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, but I look around in the world and I see just the the debauchery, the sin. I look within my own heart and I can see such darkness at times. And I'm like, Lord, like Paul, who will deliver me from this body of death? And Jesus does. He has and he will and he'll continue, right? But his, his eyes are a flame of fire. It speaks of purity. It speaks of his omniscience. He can see through all of the all of the, the smoke and mirrors. He can see right through Washington. He can see right through the politicians and the things that they do and why they're doing it. The motivations of all these things are known. That's why he knows all things. That's a scary thing for an unbeliever. But for a believer, that encourages my heart to know that he is uh, taking care of things. In other passages we see in Matthew 17, uh, we see... Uh, Jesus' appearance, too, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, it says that he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John. And notice, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And so we see a consistency here in that. And also in Revelation, um, just write the reference down, but at the end of Revelation, in Revelation 19 specifically, uh, it speaks of, in verse 12, it says, Jesus, his eyes were like a flame of fire. When he comes back, 
with all of us at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. What does it say? It says, His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except for himself, and he was clothed with a robe, again, but dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Word of God. In verse 15 it says, Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And this sword is not just a small little dagger that they would use uh, in the Romans, these small little close combat things. No, this is a a sword like you see on Lord of the Rings when uh, Gandalf or, um, uh, who what's his name? The uh, the king. Oh, Aragorn? Aragorn. When he holds up that holds up that sword. That's a killing sword. That's the sword that goes out of his mouth. It's a it's something it's the word of God is like a double edged sword, right? Able to discern our thoughts and, and and dividing between the bone and the marrow and the thoughts and the intents of our heart, right? And also in verse sixteen of nineteen it says, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't know about you, but when that day comes, oh my Think of the, all of us coming behind him to the earth and think of the tears in our eyes as we see the summation of, again, you know, being raptured and being up with him is going to be a joyous, tearful moment full of joy. And certainly when we come back to the earth, he's coming back as a judge, not as a, a meek and a gentle lion or a lamb to, to die for people. No, he already, he's already done that, but he's coming back as a lion and he's going to exact vengeance upon all of his enemies. But we see the same kind of things in, um, in Daniel, in chapter 7. I watched all the, till the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated, and his garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. So we see a lot of these descriptions of Jesus, and it's important to see those because you see a consistency throughout the Bible because if the Bible is what it says, the Word of God, there ought to be a cohesion uh, of those things, and we certainly find that. So Jesus, the way he was arrayed, the way he presented himself, he was arrayed as not not only our priest, but also as judge, and that's who he is coming back. But notice in verse 16, he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. We already talked about that. And the seven stars, he's going to tell us in chapter 20, the seven stars are actually the pastors or the messengers of those seven churches. Literal, physical churches in Asia Minor that we have written there for us. So he says, I've got those in my hand. You know? And so he says, he had, he had in his right hand, excuse me, in my right hand, uh, seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun in its strength. Remember when Saul was taken was fell to the ground on the road to Damascus. The intensity of Jesus' countenance blinded him for three days. And, and, and he was completely undone. Completely undone. So this awesome sight demands reverence, doesn't it? You know, To be in the presence of one, it just undoes a person. And there are several places in the, in the Scripture, and I'll just give them to you really quick. In Daniel chapter 9, Verses 4 through 9, you know, Daniel is before the Lord and he saw a great vision and there was no strength left in him. Even one of God's angels appearing, or it could have been a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus, we don't really know. But either way, any visitor from heaven, whether it's an angel or the Lord himself, is so bright in his countenance and holiness that we naturally fall flat on our face. It's sort of like an involuntary reaction. When somebody throws a ball at your face, you blink or you put up your hands. 
But when we see Jesus, and I don't know about you, but this really stokes my heart, is to think that when we see him for the very first time, it's going to be very natural for us. It's going to be like an, uh, an involuntary reaction for us to fall on our face and just put our hands down in tears and thank him and glorify him. Isn't that going to be wonderful? I'm looking forward to that day. Even Isaiah, in chapter 6 that we referred to either uh, earlier, I'm sorry, he said, as, as he saw this uh, vision of, of Jesus filling the temple, he said, Woe is me, verse 5, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. And, and, and aren't we all people of unclean lips? The Lord wanting to sanctify uh, even still, you know, He wants to sanctify. He wants to set us apart. Isn't that what it says in First Thessalonians 4, verse 13, I believe it is? This is the will of God, even your sanctification. And the idea is that God wants to set you apart. Set us apart from the world. Do you want to be set apart? Even now, regardless of where you're at in your life, regardless of your relationship with Jesus, I want to be set apart every single day of my life. I want my words, my actions, my speech. I want everything about me to be set apart unto Him. Not and and, and I want to I want to be taken from something, and I want to be put towards something. I want Him to take me from this filthy life that I had before, and He puts us into a new place. And that's where you want to be. And that's why we have to crucify those old members, wrath and anger. Maybe it's language, uh, filthy mouth. Maybe you have uh, issues of lust. Maybe you have issues of unforgiveness. Maybe you have issues of pride and anger. All these things, regardless of how old you are, we all have them. Take a look at it today and let the Lord be the one to do that. But he says and I, in verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Notice, that's a very um, right thing to do when being in the presence of God. Or even an angel of the Lord is to fall on your face as if I'm dead. To fall as if I am dead. But he laid his right hand on me, notice, saying, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. And I like that too. Because in the very beginning of, of when the earth was created to the very end, he is there. He was there before the beginning. Before the beginning began, he was there. And he's going to be there long after when a new heavens and a new earth are created into eternity. He is the first and the last. I love that. And Isaiah 44 says, There is no other, uh, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. And we see the Trinity in there, don't we? Or parts of it in that verse. Isaiah 44, verse 6. And we also see in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 12. What does it say? Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, my called. I am He. I am the first and I am also the last. So we see this throughout these titles, even 700 years before Jesus was born in the flesh, that He is the first and the last. And this is the one who is speaking. And notice verse 18. We're getting close to the end here, so bear with me. I know I'm going a little longer, which is typically what I do. Uh, (laughs) um, But he says, I am He who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I also have the keys of Hades and of death. I love this phrase for the simple reason that he starts off with, notice, he doesn't say, I'm the one who was, and I'm the one who is, and I'm the one who will be hereafter. No, he starts with the present because that's where we live. That's where we're at right now. He says, I am he who lives. Right now, I am he who lives with you and with me, and also was dead. 
And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Do you see it? It's the present, and then the, the past, and then the future. And that process, that idea is consistent most of the way through the book of Revelation. He says that I am uh, I'm in the present, I'm, I was also in the past, and I'm also going to be in the future. And I love the fact that he says that he has the keys of Hades, or, or hell, and death itself. Thanatos is the word in the Greek. Because we know that even in the um, after Jesus returns in his second physical coming to the earth, what does it say in Revelation 20? I love this. This is a blow to Satan. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. An angel, just an angel. We don't even know the name of the angel. You know, it wasn't like it was Michael or, or Gabriel. It was just some angel. I mean, the Lord just probably picked someone out. You know, probably the uh, one of the least of the angels. Hey, you over there with your, uh, your, your shirt needs to be zipped up a little bit better there and you need to get a haircut. Hey, you, why don't you go down? And the angel came down from heaven having the key. Notice, the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And what did he do? He laid hold of that old dragon, that old serpent, which are basically Old Testament... Uh, uh, titles, who is the devil and Satan, just in case you don't know who it is. And he bound him for a thousand years and he cast him into the bottomless pit and he shut him up until the thousand years were expired. And notice what Jesus says too and at the great white throne judgment. What does it say? It says, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. And how can death and Hades, how can hell and, 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 and death be cast into the lake of fire, the final resting place of the wicked? How is that? Because Jesus, notice, has the keys to Hades and of death. He has the keys, so he has the right, he has the authority to lock those things up and to cast them away from us. And finally, in verse 19, it says, Write the things which you have seen. Notice, and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. Now, John has already told us the things that he's seen. He saw Jesus in the midst of the golden candlesticks, lampstands, I'm sorry, they're not candles, they're lampstands because they didn't have candles back then. Uh, they had, they had uh, uh, oil that they burned. But notice, write the things which you've seen, the things which are, and the things which shall take place after this. This verse is, you might want to put an asterisk by this verse, because this is what we call the divine outline. This really gives us the whole entire uh, structure of the book of Revelation. And it's simply this. When he says, write the things which you have seen, he's already done that in chapter 1, right? Verses 9 through uh, 17 or whatever that is there. He's given us that. That's the things that he's seen. And he says, now what? write the things which are. The things which are, are going to, which are the things that are currently uh, going on at the time when he was writing this. And what is that? It was the churches themselves. Revelations chapter 2 and 3, those letters that Jesus dictated to the seven churches those are the things which are, and notice, and the things which will take place after this. This is really important to know because we know exactly when that time occurs. Because in chapter 4, if you go to chapter 4 in, uh, in the book of Revelation, notice it's immediately after chapters 2 and 3, which is the things which are. He already are, are the things which, um, he says, write the things which are. I'm sorry, with the things which you have seen, which he's already done, write the things which are, which is chapters 2 and 3, and then he says, and then write the things which shall take place after this. The words in there uh, in Greek are metatauta, and that, that's very important because the very next place we see those two words together is in the very first verse of chapter 4. 
So we know that these are where the divisions in the book lie because in the very first verse of chapter 4 it says, after these things. Literally what it means, after these, is the same phrase, meta tauta. So after these things, so and so after, you know, and then it says come up here, you know, and so the church here is raptured uh, right at chapter 4, and then from that moment onward are the things which shall be after, like he says in chapter 1 there in verse 20, 19, sorry, the things which shall take place after this, after this, meditata, after what things? After the church age. And what happens after at the end of the church age? The church is removed and the church is no longer on the earth. And it even says, after these things, metatauta. So we know that everything from there, from chapter 4 to the very end, are the things that he was to write. And so, and then finally in verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which ye saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands Seven stars are the angels or the messengers or the pastors of those seven churches. Notice, and the seven lampstands which you saw, they are the seven churches, right? And so notice how plainly the Lord makes it. He doesn't uh, hide things from us. Remember, the book, the book of Revelation, which for in many churches, many churches don't teach this book because, granted, there's some things that are dark and, 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 and kind of... Um, uh, if you don't have a handle on eschatology and you don't have an understanding of the Old Testament, the Revelation, book of Revelation may be a little daunting for you. But notice, uh, there's a blessing attached to those who hear it and to those who read it. So whether you know it or right, not, or right now or not, you are being blessed. I am being blessed because I'm reading it. And guess what? You're hearing it and you're reading it too. So we're receiving a blessing. But many churches don't teach this book because they think it's too hard. It's not too hard. Are there things in it that we don't quite understand? Absolutely. But notice, as we finish up here, how plainly the Lord makes it. He defines what these things are. You know, um, Some people just give up and say, I don't know what these seven stars are. I don't know what these lamps are. Well, he tells us right there in the text, doesn't he? The seven stars are the angels uh, or the messengers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. He, he defines it for us. We don't have to go digging and find out what it means. And see, that's... Remember, it's a book of unveiling. It's not a book of hiding things. And so that's how we're going to end today, is just to remember the book of Revelation is an unveiling. It's an unveiling of Jesus. It's an unveiling of His plan of, of what He's going to do throughout the church age, which we're still in the middle of right now, and even after those things, Metatauta, chapter 4 and onward, that's what we're seeing. And it's, it's, a, it's a revelation of His plan in addition to a revelation of himself. And so, praise the Lord. We are going to stop right there, but why don't we just take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. I don't know, even as I read this uh, today, Father, in front of your people, Lord, I'm so excited. Lord, I'm so encouraged. I'm so uh, liberated, in a sense, to and, and free, Lord. I just feel a sense of freedom, Lord, as even as I read your word. Lord, and I pray that you do the same for my brothers and sisters. Encourage them today, Lord. Keep them in your safekeeping. Lord, keep them. Bless them. And uh, Lord, we pray for your hand to be upon us, Lord, that uh, as we read Psalm 91, Lord, uh, today, I would encourage you to read Psalm 91. It talks about the pestilence that, that walks in darkness, and we can't see it, but it's around us. And Lord, keep us from those things. Help us to... Um, to trust in your promise, Lord, and help us to be careful, Lord, too, to do our part. But we pray you protect us from all this stuff. 
We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.